Welcome to the Climate Report. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 317. Today's topic is John F. Kennedy's speech at American University on the date of June 10th, 1963. We will talk about John F. Kennedy's speech to American University on June 10, 1963 in just a moment, but first let me share with you what the Climate Report is all about. So I started the Climate Report about three years ago. This is 2021, we're talking going back to 2018. And the purpose of the Climate Report is to explore how to solve the problem of climate change. And let me tell you, in 316, now 317 episodes, I've learned a lot. I've changed my perspectives and opinions about what the real problem is and what the solutions are to the problem of climate change. But one thing I understood early on and still believe is that this is fundamentally a political problem. Not that we have to always go through the government to get things done. In fact, a great deal of what can be done can be done with or without the government, usually without. In fact, you know, the government that we have today is, I'm sorry to say, almost completely unresponsive to the actual needs of the people. But I digress. What I'm saying is that this at some level is a political solution because politics revolves around how we relate to one another, how we organize ourselves into political power. So we need to talk politics if we're going to actually solve the problem of climate change. Even though at present we have a government that is almost completely useless, especially at the federal level. I think local governments are probably more accessible and more amenable to change. State governments are not very much, and the federal government is almost completely unresponsive to the needs of the people or the needs of the planet or the desire and the will of the democratic majority. But we need to continue to talk about government. We need to continue to talk about politics for two reasons. One is so that we won't be under any illusions as to whether or not the federal government is useful in solving the problem of climate change. We need to understand, and I will you know, always make the case that at present, Right now, the federal government is completely useless, and here's why. And as part of that, but the other reason, I just gave you the first reason, the second reason is that there may come a time when government is on our side, but what do we need to do to make that happen? What do we need to ask for? What do we need to demand? What do we have a right to expect from our government? So first and foremost, what we should be able to expect from our government is that our government work in our best interest, not perfectly, but 
basically fundamentally in our best interest and in the interest of the planet, which means the ecosystems, the biosphere, the climate, wildlife, and also we need to be able to expect that our government will work on behalf of future generations. So if our government is actively sabotaging the environment uh, through war, for example, then we know that we have a government that is not on our side and, at least for now, is completely useless and even doing far more harm than good. So a big part of that whole conversation is war and peace. So John F. Kennedy's speech at American University is a really good study in one president who genuinely worked for peace. I can think of three presidents in the 20th century and none in the 21st century, but I can think of three presidents in the 20th century that did a little bit to work for peace, and the rest of them did nothing. I think John F. Kennedy is at the top of that list. I think Franklin Delano Roosevelt, even though, you know, he was an imperialist, he was an oligarch, but I think he had, he was, had he lived past World War II, we would have had friendlier relationships with Russia or the Soviet Union. Had Franklin Delano Roosevelt gotten his choice, for vice president, that is Henry Wallace, if Franklin Delano Roosevelt had gotten his choice of Henry Wallace for vice president instead of Harry Truman, we would have had friendlier relationships, friendlier relations with the Soviet Union. So John F. Kennedy, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and I, I wish I could include Carter on that list, but really, I don't think Carter was a peace president in any meaningful sense. There was a lot of rhetoric related to peace, rhetoric related to human rights, but I just don't think he walked the talk. I don't think he delivered the goods. So what we're going to do in the next few minutes is to continue with John F. Kennedy's speech to American University, and I think John F. Kennedy, had he lived, would have been a real force for peace instead of what we get with almost every other president, which is just lots and lots of war. So let's continue with John F. Kennedy's speech to American University on June 10th, 1963. He says here, now, on this first paragraph, we're going to talk about all of the ways in which this paragraph is really not all that true. I, I agree. I sympathize with Kennedy in 80% of this speech, but I think there, the other 20% is like, look, Kennedy, you're not really shooting straight, or at least you're not see, calling it as I see it. But let's read this paragraph and comment on it. He says, it is discouraging to read a recent authoritative Soviet text on military strategy and find on page after page wholly baseless claims and incredible 
claims, such as the allegation that American imperialist circles are preparing to unleash different types of wars, that there is a very real threat of a preventative war being unleashed by American imperialists against the Soviet Union, and that the political aims of the American imperialists are to enslave, economically and politically, the European and other capitalist countries and to achieve world domination by means of aggressive wars. So what Kennedy is saying here is that the Soviets are saying this, but it's not true. And what I say is, yes, the Soviets were saying that, and it is true, it was true, and it continues to be true. So Kennedy is saying, I mean, he says that the Soviets are saying American imperialist circles are preparing to unleash different types of wars, that there is a very real threat of preventative war being unleashed by American imperialists against the Soviet Union, and that the political aims of American imperialists are to enslave, economically and politically, the European and other capitalist countries and to achieve world domination by means of aggressive wars. Let's look at the very last line that says uh, that America, the Soviets are alleging that America wants to achieve world domination by means of aggressive wars. Well, that's exactly what we have done. We continue to wage aggressive wars. Iraq was an aggressive war. Afghanistan turned out to be an aggressive war. Vietnam turned out to be an aggressive war. Korea was an aggressive war. I mean, do we need to go, let, let, let's take just a few minutes to go through the aggressive wars in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, the aughts, and the teens. So I'm going to include regime change operations. It, you know, they, these are wars. Regime change operations are not wars that are household names, but they are very real. They're acts of aggression. They're acts of war. And even though they're not as famous as the big wars like Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan. They are nonetheless acts of war. They are acts of aggression. So let's start with the 50s. You've got the war in Korea, which is an act of aggression on the part of the U.S., I would say. That's not the story we hear in school, but we killed three million people and flattened both North and South Korea, especially the North, but also the South with enemies. So the South was the ally, the North was the enemy, the North was allied with the Soviet Union and China, and it, but it was an act of aggression on our part. I'm not going to, I don't have time to prove that each one of these is an act of aggression, but let's just say that since 1945, all of our wars all of our military involvement have been acts of aggression, aggressive wars. That means it's the equivalent of murder. We don't call it that. We don't blame this on our soldiers who feel like they're just doing their duty. But these are acts of large 
scale murder. So Korea in the 1950s. Also in the 1950s, the regime change in Iran in 1953. The regime change in Guatemala in 1954. And then you have in 1959, Cuba has a revolution. Fidel Castro comes into power and immediately there was a terrorist war that was unleashed on Cuba. It's still going on to some extent, but mainly the military aggression has been replaced by economic sanctions, also known as an embargo. It is an act of war, if you ask me. It's an act of aggression. It's still going on. Okay, also in the 50s, that's when we got involved in Vietnam. The French were the imperial power in Vietnam after World War II. So Vietnam had been a French colony prior to World War II. And then the Japanese took it over as part of World War II. And then after World War II, when the Japanese were defeated, the Allies gave Vietnam back to the French. Well, why not give Vietnam back to the Vietnamese? Imagine that. But starting in the 50s, U.S. advisors, quote unquote, were in Vietnam. And, you know, the war in Vietnam basically went on from the 50s, from 1955 up to 1975. The war in Vietnam really became, really escalated in the 60s. Uh, American boots on the ground, lots of CIA involvement, Project or Operation Phoenix was just, it should be a shameful and embarrassing episode in American history. Very few people know about it. You know, tens of thousands of people were killed under, you know, false pretenses, I think. But in 1968 is when it really escalated and lots of American boots on the ground, a half a million American troops in Vietnam. Ultimately, in excess of three million people, or probably more than that, possibly up to five million people, we don't quite know, but I'm comfortable saying that three million people dying in Vietnam is a conservative figure. I think Robert McNamara, the defense secretary from the Kennedy and Johnson era, said that 3.8 million people had died. I believe he said that decades later but it's clearly somewhere upwards of three million people in Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. Tell me that is not a war of aggression. What are we who are we defending? The natural opposite of a war of aggression is a war of defense. Tell me that we were defending America. We were not defending America. We were pretending to defend the United States and our allies against a worldwide communist conspiracy, but that just doesn't hold much water. We were practicing an act of aggression. And we had formed the UN, the United Nations had been formed after World War II. So in the United Nations is like, hey, we, we've had two world wars in just a few decades here in the 20th century. How about let's prevent that by placing rules and limitations on 
what countries can do. Well, we didn't respect that. So there is a process for defense. There is a process, there, there is a process for avoiding wars. But if the strongest country in the world wants to commit acts of aggression, nobody else can keep them from it. If the strongest country in the world was committed to peace, then, then that strongest country in the world might not be able to prevent all acts of aggression. But if the strongest country in the world is, is committed to doing what it wants to do, irrespective of what's legal, what's moral, what's ethical, what's helpful, then none of us can prevent it from doing that because might makes right. It shouldn't. We shouldn't have a world in which might makes right, but that's what we have. So what we're doing here is we're talking about John F. Kennedy's speech to American University in, on June 10th, 1963. And there's this one paragraph that we're talking about for the entire episode. And it, it, it's where, you know, Kennedy is saying that the Soviets believe this, but it's not true. But actually it was true. So I'm very sympathetic to this speech. I'm very sympathetic to Kennedy and I'm sympathetic to this speech overall, but here's a part of the speech in which I don't see it this way. Uh, so, so what we're doing is we're going through the wars of aggression that the United States has perpetrated. It's a crime. It's a war crime. But the, you know, in the 50s, you've got Korea. You've got the regime change in Iran. 1953. You've got the regime change in Guatemala, 1954. You've got the terrorist war against Cuba that started in the late 50s and, and started big time in the 60s. You've got the war in Vietnam in the 60s. In Indonesia, very few people know about this. In Indonesia, at least 500,000 people died as a result of a CIA operation that occurred in 1965. The country of Indonesia is the fourth largest, well, fourth most populous country in the world, the most populous Muslim country in the world, and it had it had the largest communist party outside Russia and China. Now, this commun this quote unquote communist party was really benign, something like Bernie Sanders you know, social, they wanted social democracy. And, but they, you know, so there's a lot of confusion, some would say intentional confusion, between an authoritarian type of communism and a social democracy. See, communist doesn't have to be a bad word. The early Christians were communists. Indigenous tribes had a lot of social sharing and social uh, you know, responsibility, sharing of good, sharing of what we have. So the world, word communist or socialist need not be a bad word, but communism and socialism were vilified and they still are. So as part of that vilification, 
of communism and socialism, the United States, with the CIA, took it upon itself to sabotage and subvert the Communist Party in Indonesia, and 500,000, possibly up to a million people died in that operation. We don't know for sure, the, but, but it was, you know, it's clearly an act of aggression. Few people know about this, and if we saw our history in its true light, we would not tolerate this. So also in the 60s, there were other regime change operations, very notably when Kennedy was still living, so this had to have been, this was in 1963, there was a regime change in Congo. There was also a regime change in Dominican Republic. Also in the 1960s, there's an ongoing terrorist war against Cuba. In other words, in this instance, the, the United States is the terrorist organization. We, you're not going to hear this on the news. We don't see ourselves as terrorists. The people that are doing these terrorist operations don't want us to see them as terrorists, but by any definition, that's a, an appropriate word for it. So into the 70s, let's go to Latin America. So in the 70s, there's on, ongoing support for the dictatorial regime in Guatemala. There's ongoing support for the dictatorial regime in El Salvador. Now these, and also in Honduras. So these countries, they might have something that looks like a democracy in that they have elections, but there's this military that has the real power and the military answers to the United States. So this is the 70s. Also, I forgot, in the 60s, there was a coup in Brazil. President Goulart was, you know, he was a Bernie Sanders type of social Democrat, and he was subverted because that was too far left for the United States. So in the 70s, you have continuing support for military regimes in Latin America, including uh, Brazil, including Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras. Uh, you also have, in 1973, the regime change in Chile. In Chile, there was a popularly elected Marxist president who was a medical doctor by the name of Salvador Allende. Well, he was too far left for American, for the tastes of the American government and the criminals that we support, because we support criminals. So the criminals that we support, including the CIA, threw Salvador Allende out of office. In fact, he committed suicide when they were storming the presidential palace, and after the, afterwards, President uh, Pinochet. Pinochet or Pinochet in Chile was the, the, the fascist leader. As a result of that, there were at least two or 3,000 people that were tortured and killed, but more likely there was something on the order of, it might have been in the tens of thousands, but uh, you know, clearly we're supporting the bad guys. 
President Nixon said, make the economy scream. When Allende got in there and Allende was unacceptable, Kennedy said, make the economy scream. And we had the power through our banking system to make the economy scream. And we were doing and follow through with a regime change. And we were doing this at the behest of American corporations, not least of all, ITT, International Telephone and Telegraph. So also in the 70s in Latin America, there was a, a Somoza family that, you know, the Somoza was like a father and two sons, and uh, the Somozas were the heads of state. They controlled Guatemala and Nicaragua for much of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And then in 1979, the people of Nicaragua took control of their situation and had a popular revolution known as the Sandinistas. The Sandinistas were named after Sandino, who had been killed in the 20s. So the Sandinistas were this populist, some would say, so. I mean, yeah, it was a socialist government, but they were popularly elected. There's nothing authoritarian or dictatorial about it. And so in the 80s, Reagan made war on the Sandinistas. The Contras were the name of the group that the U.S. supported. They were the basically the Somoza regime that had been thrown out. Well, they became the Contras. Contra stands for Contra Revolucionario. And so we were supporting this terrorist war against the popularly elected government of Nicaragua. And there, we're still doing that. Not so much military war, but very much an economic war. So I've got just a couple minutes. I'm going to have to wrap it up. But what we've been doing is actually validating and proving the truth of what Kennedy says here that the Soviets were saying about the United States. Uh, you know, what it said is that we are trying to achieve world domination by means of aggressive wars. And that is exactly what it, it, it's what happened prior to this speech by Kennedy. It continued to happen throughout the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, and into the teens for the last, you know, for our entire history, but not least of all, since 1945, the last 75 years, we have been, I say we, it's not you and me, but it is our government. So as a shorthand, I say we have been going for world domination in the last 75 years. It's demonstrable. This is public information. This is not speculative. This is stuff you can find in Wikipedia, which is not, you know, anyway, this is public information. So I've got less than a minute. I want to wrap it up as follows. So this is a speech by Kennedy, and Kennedy is top of the list of presidents that were trying to work for peace. 
Some of them give lip service to peace, but Kennedy was taking meaningful action toward peace. So if we're going to have a functional climate, we need to have peace. That's an important part of the political solution that's going to allow us to have a functioning climate and a functioning biosphere. That's all the time we have. Thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I know your time is valuable and uh, I, I appreciate the sacrifice that you make to listen. And I hope you have a great day and we will talk again soon. Bye-bye.